you're rocking the, the jet green right now. Adam Sandler. Right. Number one, you were rich, Eisen. The second will be, I see Brad Hirschberg <laughs> being your father. Dennis Miller. The autumn wind is caused by global warming. <laughs> Uh, a legend in the booth, Jim Brockmire. I do love watching Tebow play. I mm-hmm. gotta say, he just he combines all oh, the fiery leadership of Ray Lewis with the uh, with the throwing ability of Ray Lewis. <laughs> and uh... I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast, part two of a big-time two-part bi-week Super Bowl podcast, everybody. We had uh, already in the books Michael Strahan and Warren Sapp and Ray Rice and Carson Daly, whose show The Voice is going to be on right after the Super Bowl is over on NBC. Now we've got Alec Baldwin, or as they say, Chris Law in the movie Team America, we have Looking forward to Alec Baldwin. He's a favorite. Jack Donaghy, the characters. He's one of my favorites. He's one of my favorites of all time. And um, I I couldn't be more excited. I'm a huge fan of his. And he is hosting the NFL Awards show on NBC the night before the Super Bowl. The first time ever there's going to be all the awards doled out in one night. And uh, he's the host of it. And um, I heard Lenny Kravitz is playing. Yes, he's playing, which is great. I love Lenny Kravitz. Um, I heard Will Arnett's going to be there, too, actually. He's and a big Jet fan, by the way. You're doing the red carpet, correct? I'm doing the red carpet with Melissa Stark. Nice. Look nice. out. Then I head in, and I'll, I'll be on stage. I have no idea what I'm doing. So this is your first red carpet since the uh, SB days? Yes. Me and Stuart Scott. I swapped out Stuart Scott with Melissa Stark. <laughs> uh, that's, that's what we call an upgrade. That's what we call an upgrade, yeah. And Stu knows I love him. <laughs> so Alec Baldwin is hosting this show, and uh, we're going to have him on. And uh, after he's done, Mike Mayock, as you pointed out on our previous podcast, how many other podcasts can put that together? Yeah, you don't you don't see that often. I'm pretty sure uh, Baldwin's joining us from the set of 30, of 30 Rock. Yeah, yes, taping. Yeah, he's uh, from the set of Thirty Rock. So he's stepping out of the Jack Donaghy role for a few moments to hop on the horn with us to talk about. Uh, the NFL awards and um, and and the NFL itself. Yeah, I know he's a big fan. He's from Long Island, so I imagine he's a giant fan this coming week. Yeah. Uh, and and then Mayock. Mayock's going to join us from the Senior Bowl. And um, and I want to talk with him about what happened on Championship Sunday and set up set the table for Super Bowl Forty Two. You know, and and I'm, but I'm not going to ask him to pick the game. I mean, Super Bowl Forty Six. My bad. I'm going to do that a lot next week. Set the table for Super Bowl Forty Six rematch of Forty Two. I'm not going to ask him to pick the game. No, no, I could, because you heard what happened when I asked Sap and Strahan to do it. Oh, that's correct. They jumped down my neck because it's too soon. They, they the want to save. Uh, yeah, but they all want to save their powder for next week. All these analysts, they don't want to pick it now. That's true. That's true. Although Stray, you know, he's going to choose the Giants. Oh, when it's all how can done. you not choose the Giants if you're Stray? Right. If you're Stray. So yeah, I mean, there you have it. Mayock from the Senior Bowl. I want to see who he can give me a name already um, for uh, to look out uh, for at the Combine and obviously moving forward of some of the young men who are there. We've got a big game in Mobile on Saturday on NFL Network at 4 Eastern time. Um, 
And as Del Tufo mentioned yesterday on our previous podcast, I mean, all people, if, if there's a lot of empty desks around here right now, yes, because there's a bunch of people who are in Hawaii. God bless them for this for the for their our Pro Bowl coverage. I got to get that gig next year. It's a heck, it's a hell of a gig. It's a great gig. I mean, it's very. I, I'm I, not to come give you any drawbacks to it. It's very early mornings, though. Yeah, very early mornings. You watch the sunrise. Obviously, what better place to watch the sunrise than than Hawaii? But um, they're long, they're, they're long, long days, but it's fun. There a lot of people in uh, Pro Bowl Our our guy Brockman. He's in Alabama right now for the senior bowl. Yep. They were in Fort Lauderdale for the East West shrine game. So they've been on the road all week. Some of those folks are going to go straight to Indianapolis. Some are coming back here, you know, cause there, there's a lot to, to become, a lot of tape from Indianapolis got to come in and yeah. including our podcast next week. Yes, we are on location next week. We are on location next week. and But we'll talk about that after our, our interviews. Let's get to it. I'm excited. Alec Baldwin on the phone. For the first time ever, the National Football League and the Associated Press is not doling out the annual end-of-season awards one day after another throughout the entire Super Bowl week. It's all going to go down in one night, the night before the Super Bowl, in the first annual, first ever, or inaugural as they say, NFL Awards show the night before the Super Bowl in Indianapolis on NBC. And I am joined by the host of the inaugural NFL Awards show, the Emmy Award winning and Golden Globe winning actor, fresh off the set of 30 Rock, where he plays the ingenious Jack Donaghy, none other than Alec Baldwin. How are you, Alec? I'm great, Rich. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm very excited to head out there. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I imagine so. Uh, how are you? Uh, I mean, you've 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 hosted an Oscars. Uh, how do you approach the first right. ever <laughs> NFL award show? Well, I think uh, it, it's in a way it's more exciting because you know when you're in your own world, there's a lot of familiarity there, and you know the people, and you kind of know how the sausage is made, so to speak. But for me, as a fan, and to go to uh, hang out with these people. You know, last year I was in Dallas and I was a presenter at the NFL alumni dinner. And um, I uh, got to meet some people. You know, I just was going to faint. You know, I got to get my picture taken with Barry Sanders and people that I've worshipped. And uh, I got to go to the suite of Roger Staubach and visit him and his family, um, which was um, uh, such a thrill for me. Because uh, I'm just a huge Starback admirer, and I, I guess those guys they kind of laugh when people who are famous in some other field kind of get starstruck when you met them. But I am starstruck. When yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I am too. To be honest with you, Alec, even though it is my field, I mean, I, I got to M- uh, MC and host the the Hall of Fame ceremony, the Pro Football Hall of Fame ceremony, a couple of years ago, and Roger Starback was one of the presenters. Other present he followed the rules that we were supposed to present somebody it's supposed to be five minutes and get off stage. Others did not, and he pulled me off stage. Roger Staubach pulled me off stage to complain that others were not following the rules. And I'm, I sat there thinking the ten-year-old in me is sort of fainting that Roger Staubach is is talking to me. But I'm, it's now in my head. I'm thinking, well, Roger Staubach is airing me out right now. How do how do I handle this? I, I, uh, I had a situation where my brother. Stephen yeah. knew of a charity football game that they played down there in Dallas for some youth group or something uh, that Staubach had with Danny White, and both of them would apparently quarterback the two teams, and you'd play flag football or touch football for charity. And I said to my brother Stephen, I'd love to play. And long story short, as I wind up on the phone with Staubach's office and with his assistant, 
and the woman was as nice as could be, and she said, well, Mr. Baldwin, uh, the only problem is this is kind of a local charity, and uh, we don't fly people here. We don't put people up in hotels and such. We don't have the budget for that. I said, lady, I'll fly myself down there, and I'll put myself in a hotel, and I'll write your charity a check for $50,000 if Starbuck throws me one pass. And she said, do you really mean that? Are you being serious? I said, lady, you don't get it. <laughs> you don't get it. So it's going to be exciting. I am thrilled. We're going to have a great show uh, uh, on Saturday for the NFL Honors, and then we're going to have a great game. It's going to be a uh, it's going to be a Pats Giants rematch. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And I know I'm talking to a Long Island guy right here. Uh, are you are you a Jet more than a Giant, or you're just rooting for any New York team that might be well, out I mean, there? I'm always, I'm always one a New York team. If the Jets were in the Super Bowl, I'd root for the Jets. But it, but in in the in the bubble of New York, I'm a Giants fan. I mean, I was a Jets fan my whole life. And then I must say, in all honesty, I entered what we'll call the Richard Todd years. <laughs> And I got into the 80s there, the late 80s. Yeah. The Jets did, did, definitely broke my heart. And then I, I kind of, uh, uh, most of the time I root for a player that I want to see get a ring. You know, like I see Marino, and I always wish Marino got a ring. And I, I, I love when uh, um, Elway got his ring. And I mean, I love guys that are great players in whatever position who have a championship career. And I, I tend to root for, a, I root for a home team. I root for a, a player who I want to have an outstanding season. Then I root for an underdog like the Lions this year. I was very gung-ho on the Lions this year. I loved seeing what they did. Yeah, I noticed uh, from your tweets you were you were, you were were about the Lions um, and also Tebow. You were just like the rest yeah, of us. Ex- he was exciting. I mean, he made the game. And the guys that make it exciting, you know, because uh, there's other sports which shall remain nameless that I've followed and gone and gotten tickets and attended events. And I've gone through stretches of my life where there were other games that I would follow and go and watch. And, you know, I slowly would lose interest because the game didn't have the uh, uh, the excitement, you know, that it once had. And, and I think that the NFL this year was very exciting. I mean, two, you know, heart-stopping championship games and then now the Super Bowl. And I thought Tebow brought a lot of great things. I mean, people are always saying they want to bring the personal into it. They want to talk about his personal uh, uh, passions and so forth. I don't care about that. I mean, I'm there to watch a football game, you know. And and Tebow, as you were watching him, were, were you part of the, the group that was wondering how long this would last? Or you were just living in the moment, hoping that you would see more moments like you'd already seen over the previous weeks? Well, I think you know as well, you know, better than I do even, that, that, that in pro sports, it isn't any given Sunday rule. You know, if you're, if you're six or eight games, uh, you, you lose and you're out of it, you're out of it. But if you're in the race, uh, people seem to find a special fuel. And they find a special resource when they have a chance at winning uh, the division and the conference and the, then getting to the Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, and, and, and I thought I wasn't somebody who thought Tebow's uh, talent or his determination had a half-life of any uh, of any length. I thought he was he had a perfectly good chance to go all the way. I mean, he played. He's tough, you know. And it's the NFL. It's, you know, being tough is about fifty percent of it, I think. Right. And and so looking at this Super Bowl, how, how do you see it, Alec? Well, you know, I don't know about <clears throat> Brady. You know, he's 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 kind of a movie star. He's married to a beautiful woman, and uh, you know, I wonder if he's getting soft. You know, he's living the good life, and he's just—you know what I'm saying? He's kind of—I wonder if he's more uh, 
Brad Pitt than an NFL football player now. You never know. You never know if he's softened up. And uh, and Eli, I love Eli. I love Eli. I love the Giants. And uh, I'm going to root for the Giants. I'm a Giants fan. I want the Giants to win. But but I admire Brady. I mean, the all jokes aside, I think Brady obviously is coming in to uh, uh, to, to uh, he, he's tied with. Uh, um, Bradshaw and who's the other one? For, well, uh, yeah, if he wins, he would tie with Bradshaw and Montana for most ever for by four. a quarterback, right? Four Super Bowls. Just by being here, he joins John Elway as the only guy to ever go with five. And it's interesting too if you take a look at the storylines with Brady uh, drafted in the sixth round, 199th overall. He was a skinny kid and who blossomed into what he's become. And Eli Manning was first overall, but a lot of people thought he was that because of his name. And now. He is in as many Super Bowls as his big brother Peyton. He could win more Super Bowls than in his big brother Peyton, and and it's remarkable what 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 he has become. Do you do you think that 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 what he has done based on the fact that he's always compared to his big brother, not any quarterbacks that have come previously to to his team, that that makes it even more impressive? Well, I think that in terms of the mechanics of what quarterbacks do and this is not a judgment of any of anybody i mean and, and again i'm not an nfl analyst like you but i mean in, the, in terms of the mechanics of what quarterbacks do in the modern game i think peyton is more talented he's more gifted than uh, than eli i mean he's, he's he's taller he's rangier he's quicker i think he's a lot of things i mean peyton manning is a is a is a, a remarkably gifted nfl quarterback and uh but, but i think that eli because i think eli because he's just ever so slightly less of those things uh I, I think he works harder, and I think that guys like that, you know, you can't rule them out. This is where you get into, like, Flutie territory and Barry Sanders territory, and people that weren't large men, you know, that were playing you know, in these games, these tough games, but they prevailed. And I think, uh, I think, uh, you, you know, that I, that I think that Peyton, is, or Eli, rather, is somebody who he, he goes out there and he always works hard. I mean, he might not win, but I think he always gives it everything he has. For this and NFL- I think that Brady, I think that Brady is, but, but Brady is, also, I mean, you can't deny that Brady's going for legacy here. He's got a chance to be tied with those other two uh, for the most Super Bowl victories. That's a big thing. That's a big, he'll be in the, the record books for that. Yes, no doubt about that. So for this NFL award show, are, is there anyone in specific who you're looking forward to meeting since we're expecting to get as many uh, players who aren't in the Super Bowl in that house that night for the well, NFL? My buddy Roger Starbuck shows up. We're friends now. We're buddies now. <laughs> Did now, you catch that football. pass, by the way? We, the football. we went out in the hallway outside of his suite in Dallas, and we went out and we threw the ball together. That was like, I have pictures of it on my Facebook page. It was the thrill of my life, trust me. That was such an honor. And you think about Starbuck, by the way, who four prime years of his career out of college, he didn't play in the NFL because he went off to Vietnam right. in the Navy. Right. I mean, everybody remembers that Starbuck lost four years because of the, he owed the service to the Navy. Maybe it was five. I'll have to look that up. I don't remember. But uh, uh, I... Um, I love meeting Starbuck. He's great. And a lot of the contemporary players, I uh, I mean, I, I'd be hard-pressed to think of somebody that I don't want to meet. I'd love to meet Tebow. I'm, big, I'm a big fan of his. And I can't pronounce his name. I'm always blank on his name. Who's the guy on the Lions who was, like, stepping on people's heads Sue. here? Sue, yeah. Yeah, Sue. We, we we might do a little bit about Sue. We're gonna, we, we've are gonna we got some funny bits for the show. We'll see. We, we, ah. I think we've, got, we've got some good writers coming on, and I think we've got some funny stuff. Yeah. Are they, are they, Football uh, Brothers. My yeah. brother Billy is my date to the Super Bowl. Is that? Uh, uh, with my girlfriend, we're all going to go down a group of us, and my brother's going to. So, my brother and I want to meet the two Harbaugh brothers. Now, my Twitter account is getting blown up by Danny every single weekend. The Nostra Daniel, um, Daniel has been has been <laughs> he's been blowing me up. 
wanting to. I'm telling you, Rich Eisen, when I, I have three brothers. How many brothers do you have? I've got one older one. Okay, I've got three brothers, and there's and we all go in a rotation where we all, you know, like the, like three of us get together and talk about how much we can't stand the fourth one, how we you know, we never liked him, and we really hate him, and we, he's just such a jerk. You know what I mean? We we, we all we all have our turn in the dunk tank here, and uh, but no matter where I'm at with my brother Daniel, no matter wh- whether it's uh, the sunshine or rain with him, I, I I can never take away the fact that he would probably be one of the greatest sports analysts you could ever have. Is I mean, that he's right? Complete, he's a complete savant. This what he eats. I mean, you've met guys like this in your world where they're just addicts, and he is a complete NFL junkie. He knows everything about everybody. Yeah, those are usually the guys in the bar who are buying me a drink whenever I'm at a bar and the bartender hands me a beer or something. He says, it's somebody's buying you, and I look up, and there's like three hot women at the end of the bar, but it's not them. It's usually somebody like your brother who's sending that drink over. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like that's well, which I, that's I, my lot. I, I gotta say, you know, I, I I think I think Daniel could do your job. I really do. I don't think I don't think he's. <laughs> he'll be great. I don't, I don't I don't think he's AAA material. I think he's big league material. I think he could do your job. Well, no, no disrespect for you. And I don't take I've it. I've got that much faith in my brother Daniel. I, I don't but take anyway, it. I'm gonna come see you. Uh, I'll come see you at. Uh, uh, I'm gonna come look for you uh, in Indi- in in Indianapolis. I'm gonna fly out there on uh, Thursday night, and we're gonna rehearse over the weekend. Then we're gonna do the show Saturday night. Fantastic. There for the game Sunday. I'm gonna come find. You, Rich, and we'll have, a, we'll have a chat. I look forward to it, Alec. Thanks so much okay, for buddy. calling in. I Thanks appreciate it. We'll talk to you later. You bet. That is none other than game. you bet. That is Alec Baldwin phoning in. Uh, he had to go back to the set of 30 Rock, phoning in from New York City as he's getting set to appear on NBC as the host of the very first NFL award show here on uh, on the weekend of the, of the Super Bowl. Pleased to be rejoined here on the Rich Eisen podcast by the E.F. Hutton of NFL Network. People listen when this man talks on any subject, whether it's the Senior Bowl from where he joins us right now in Mobile, Alabama, or Thursday night football or anything else that comes out of Mike Mayock's mouth. Pleased to have you back on the broadcast, Mike. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Rich. You bet. Let's talk about Championship Sunday first. I'd love to get your thoughts on some of the issues that people have been talking about uh, ever since the games ended. Let me start with Lee Evans's uh, non-catch or incompletion. So many people think he should have held on to the football. I'd love to know what your thoughts are on that situation. My my immediate reaction when I was watching it on television was, how did he get that ripped away from him by a rookie corner? Uh, Lee Evans is a veteran in the league, and, and I think the uh, the number one point of emphasis has to be to secure the football. Let's give the, that rookie corner some credit for the strip that he made. It was timely and, and well done. But uh, from my perspective, I felt like Lee had enough time to uh, get both feet down mm-hmm. and secure the football. And uh, that that's uh, one of those losses that leaves a mark clearly with Billy Cundiff. We've had uh, Strahan and Sapp on this program already. We've uh, uh, heard from so many different places on him. Ray Rice said that he could be in the same locker room as Billy Cundiff. You are uh, a man with special teams roots. What do you think uh, – can happen with Billy Cundiff on the Ravens moving forward. Do you think that this has to be the end of uh, end of a marriage between those two teams? Uh, no, I don't. I mean, I, you've seen quarterbacks miss wide open receivers. You've, you've seen wide receivers drop footballs. I mean, a, a wide receiver put the ball on the ground two plays earlier than the missed field goal. So from my perspective, do you have to make that kick? Absolutely. You've got to make that kick. 
Uh, the, but the flip side of it is whether you're a special teams player or, quote, one of the normal 53, uh, it really doesn't matter. It's time to move on as an organization, and it's time to try to get better and go win the Super Bowl next year. But you, you can't, I, in my opinion, uh, as bad as it was, I don't think you can let it linger. The San Francisco 49ers, do you believe that they, they proved – that they're a top five defense, if not a top three defense for them, one of the silver linings for them moving forward? Yeah, I saw a lot of tape on San Francisco. And, and defensively, when you start ranking the top defenses in the league, they're, they're in the discussion. Baltimore's in the discussion. Uh, the Giants, the way they played at the end of the year, have got to be in the discussion. And the, and the team that too often gets left out, in my opinion, is Houston. You know, I think that Wade Phillips defense played hard. They played fast and and were every bit as effective as any of the teams you'd like to throw out there. Let's move to the teams that actually won on Championship Sunday. Patriots, Giants, Super Bowl rematch from four years ago. Mike, first blush, what are your thoughts on the analysis here? Uh, You know what? My thoughts throughout the day on uh, last Sunday was I was just happy to see the return of some defense. And maybe that isn't a popular perception, you know, with, you know, with the Green Bay Packers being eliminated, the New Orleans Saints being eliminated, all those teams that wanted track meets were being eliminated by what I thought was great defense finally this year, trumping great offense. And uh, it's really kind of interesting to me. You look at the New York Giants who couldn't run the football all year long. And finally, we're able to get healthy and, and get some th- get the right people up front at the right time. I love the run game. I think Eli Manning, who told everybody he was a top five quarterback before the season, and everybody kind of said, "You got to be kidding me." Uh, I, I love the season he had, not just the game he had, the season he had. He's an elite. NFL quarterback and then you go over to the Patriots side of it and you know they're number 31 in defense but that was a pretty good defensive yeah. effort this past weekend uh, and Bill Belichick just continues to find ways to get it done and, and offensively with those two tight ends and Tom Brady uh, we're setting ourselves up for a great Super Bowl. Yeah and it's funny how you would even mention when you said it's what a relief it is to see return of great defense after we saw some arena league games throughout the season uh, the fact that the Patriots could be thrown in that mix, as you alluded to, the 31st-ranked defense throughout the season. Uh, they just keep making plays when they need to, whether it's Brandon Spikes one play after getting pancaked on a, on a run, making a pick of Joe Flacco, or Vince Wilfork being in Flacco's face all day. Where, where did this come from? Did it just come from a, a switch being flipped or, or a coaching up of this team all season long finally coming to fruition when it matters the most? There's a couple different thoughts here, Rich, and, and you know I played for Bill for a short time, mm-hmm. and I think the mentality in that building is no, ma- no matter where you start on the day you report to training camp in August, the bottom line is you're going to get better every day, every snap, every practice, every day. And it doesn't matter where you're ranked. And I think that is in all three phases for any team Bill Belichick ever coaches. And I think the second piece of this is when your quarterback's one of the best that ever played the game and your offense wants a track meet, I think it affects the teams you play against. And even though the Patriots were number 31 in total yards, they were third in the league in turnover differential. So I think there was a mentality that, A, Tom Brady and that offense is going to protect the football. B, we're probably going to get up on a lot of people because we're so good offensively, which leads to C, 
we're going to be pretty good at turning the football over as, as a defense. And I think that's what you saw in critical times last week. And as you mentioned, whether it was Brandon Spikes or whatever, their mentality on the defensive side of the ball is, yeah, we're going to give up a lot of yards between the 20s. We're going to be good in the red zone, and we're going to turn the football over. And outside of points scored and points allowed, that's the biggest statistic we have in football today. And one of the shockers of Super Bowl 42 was it was a 7-3 to game in the fourth quarter. Nobody expected that back in uh, 2007 season. Now it's 2011, and the Giants seem to have a similar team, Mike, in the fact that it's all about being able to get pressure from their front four, and uh, they have uh, similar guys in Tuck and Osi. and many people say, you know, Strahan's gone, but JPP is playing just as well. Uh, Tollefson's up front, too. Is that as, as simple uh, a theory for this game as it was last time, that if those four guys can get pressure on Brady, the Giants have the advantage. I think it is that simple for the Giants anyway. And I remember that last Super Bowl sitting in the stands with my son watching that Giants team get Tom Brady off his spot. And it sounds simple, but when you're playing Brady or Breeze or any of those quarterbacks that don't want want to run around, that want to play from within the pocket, Rich, I think the most effective thing is immediate pressure up the middle. And Tom Brady doesn't like it at six foot five. Drew Brees doesn't like it at six feet. Pressure up the middle for any quarterback that gets him moving and off his spot is disruption. And the, the, the Giants back four or five or six, depending on the, the sub package, their back group is not going to overawe anybody. They really do rely on tremendous athleticism up front. And the other quarterback knows that if he doesn't get the ball out quickly, there's going to be a problem. How does the uh, two-headed monster at tight end, we are assuming Gronkowski is going to be a full go when Super Sunday hits, how does that monster tandem attack the Giants? We did see in week number nine these two teams played the Giants one last second. It's the last time the Patriots did lose. But how, how, do, how do you see for this time, this matchup, Gronkowski and also um, their other tight end, oh God, Aaron, Aaron Hernandez. Hernandez. Yeah. How do you see those two guys affecting the Giants defensively? I think it's a chess match, Rich. And, and when they first drafted those two tight ends, I was up at New England's camp for a couple of days, and Randy Moss was still on that team. But you could see they were phasing Moss out. And the really cool thing for me was I was kind of watching this coaching staff trying to figure out how to use these gifted rookies. You, you know, you understood their individual talents. But how do you blend them together into an offense that could cause problems for any defense? And when they're in the huddle, as a defensive coordinator, you don't know if you want your sub package in the game because of their passing game. You don't know if you want your base personnel in there because they can run it. And, and therein lies the advantage, and therein starts the chess match. So from a defensive coordinator, if you're Perry Fuel, you're sitting there going, man, from a down-and-distance perspective, when those tight ends are in the game, how am I going to play this? Am I pass first? Am I run first? And I think Bill Belichick and his group of people are as good as anybody at in-game adjustments. So I think you just touched on, Rich, one of the key matchups is, is not as much what the Patriots are going to do, but it's going to be how do the Giants defend them. Mm -hmm. And I think my answer lies more on down-distance tendencies and, and Perry Fuel kind of moving his chest meets pieces around the board to best match up with a down-and-distance situation. Now, we're going to be talking all throughout uh, next week about legacies. It's a legacy game for Brady. 
Um, I think he's a pro football Hall of Famer first ballot, whether he wins or not. But obviously to tie Montana and Bradshaw rings is, is monumental. And the fact that Belichick is there for a fifth time, that's one shy of Don Shula's all-time mark. And Eli and what he can, he can do not only within his own family, but have more rings than any quarterback in New York football history. You mentioned earlier you played for Belichick. That was back in the day for the Giants. You know about how Bill Parcells and what he means to the New York sports landscape and the Giants fan base. Tom Coughlin now has taken the Giants to as many Super Bowls as Bill Parcells. Nobody's really mentioning Coughlin in terms of legacy. Where do you think he fits now that he has done this again when nobody expected him to? So you're probably talking to the wrong guy when you want to start talking about legacy <laughs> until they retire. Right. I mean, I think it's a work in progress by definition because you're still working. Mm-hmm. So I don't get too caught up with all this stuff, but I will tell you one thing. And what I just took out of everything you just said mm-hmm. is that I thought it was a joke when people talked about Tom Coughlin losing his job earlier. And uh, I've known Tom Coughlin for a lot of years. He coached uh, at my alma, my alma mater, Boston College. He coached my younger brother. Um, I've known this guy to be a really good football coach for a lot of years, and it doesn't change overnight. Um, you know, every once in a while you can lose a team. You can be there too long. I get all those things, but, but when you talk about Tom Coughlin, I don't know about legacies yet. All I know is the guy's a phenomenal football coach, and I can't wait to enjoy this game in a couple weeks. What does he do? I mean, could you, could you try and, since you obviously know him well and know his coaching style well, what, what does he do that uh, when a team has got its backs against the wall, it seems to perform better than, than, than not? You know, there's a common denominator to me amongst great coaches, and, and I don't think they let the outside pressures get into their building. And you heard me say about Belichick earlier, day one, they're building. And, and every snap is critical. Every practice is critical. And Tom Coughlin's no different. And it doesn't matter if it's an OTA, a mini camp, a practice, a preseason game. None of that stuff matters. And, Rich, what you think and what I think doesn't matter either. Mm-hmm. So we make up all this stuff in the media and we go nuts and we have, is he a legacy guy? Is he going to get fired? Tom Coughlin could give a, a, a rat's butt about <laughs> yes. what anybody else thinks. The bottom line is, what do the people in the building think? What does my offense think? What does my defense think? What do my special teams players think? And if the mentality is, hey, we're a little beat up, and we got some injuries, and but underneath it, we're a pretty good football team, and every day we're going to get better, I, I think you're okay. And I think that's what they do. They understand that the most important snap is the next snap. And uh, as, as you are personally attesting to, being there in Mobile, Alabama, this is sort of the crossroads uh, of the NFL calendar as we're getting set for the biggest game of the year. Uh, 30 teams are focusing just only on what's going on right there at the Senior Bowl and the talent evaluation portion. Obviously, the Patriots and the Giants have their people down there, but they've got a big game to play next week. Uh, What are you seeing down there at the Senior Bowl? Who has jumped out at you already just in the first couple of days this week? You know, everybody wants to talk about quarterbacks, and we have some intriguing ones here. But I, I think for the group that gets me going the most is the South defensive line. I think they've got a minimum of three first-round picks here. And you, you start with Quinton Copels from North Carolina, who many people think is a top-ten pick. Didn't play that way as a senior, but just a dominating physical presence. And then, Rich, these two, these two explosive kids, you know, one who plays for Alabama by the name of Courtney Upshaw, who's a 34-outside linebacker, defensive end. But he's 6'1 and a half, 273. 
three. And then there's a guy that most people don't know named Melvin Ingram. Unless, unless you're an SEC fan, you probably don't know him very well. South Carolina, very similar build to Upshaw. Explosive, inside, outside, up, down, it doesn't matter. Uh, to me, he doesn't fit any prototype, but he's a first-round pick. So the guys I've been most intrigued about are in the South squad, and they're mostly defensive linemen. And, of course, we're going to be talking left and right, up and down, about the two uh uh, juniors at the top of the draft, Andrew Luck and, and Robert Griffin the third. And every year, there's always there's always you know part of the process. We we talk about these kids, and then we hear what they can't do, and perhaps their draft draft stock drops, and then they they rise again. Do you think at any point during this process we might hear that Griffin RG three could be the first overall pick to the Colts over Andrew Luck because of what we saw at this level this year with Cam Newton and how Tim Tebow was able to succeed with that type of offense and what he might be able to bring to the game as opposed to the pro style. At one point, it won't be as a given as everybody believes it that Luck is going to be the first overall pick. And you use the right term there, Rich, and you know me well. You, you use the word process, and, and that's what that's what this is. And right. you chose your word carefully. Well, I've been I've I been around you. you I've, been ar- I've been around you enough, Mike. I've been I did step in it earlier when I asked you a legacy question, but you know I I I, I do listen when you talk, and I do like uh, hanging out with you. So I, I want to want to speak your language. No, and I appreciate that. And my answer to that is, you know, Andrew Luck is every bit as good, if not better, than what everybody thought a year ago. Okay, and the people that think he's he's any less good or didn't have the year he should have or didn't win a Heisman Trophy, none of that matters. Put the tape on, talk to people, be in his presence for a little while. The kid is special. Now, that doesn't mean that RG3 isn't special also. Uh, He starts from behind Andrew Luck because we know less about him. And some people want to jump on the bandwagon and say, wow, he's better. He offers this, Cam Newton. Well, let's take our time. I'm going, to t- I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to look you right in the camera and tell you that 60-some juniors came out. I haven't even done my tape work on Robert Griffin yet. I watched his wide receiver because he's a senior. I watched his tailback because he's a senior. You know, and, and by the way, they're both they, – they might be first-round picks. I know the wide receiver is, but RG3, i got to go watch a bunch of tape on him and try and figure him out. Here's what I do know. He throws the ball naturally, even better than Cam Newton did in college. He's not as big. Everybody wants to know, is he six one and a half? Is he 6'2"? Is he... Nobody even knows how tall he is yet. Uh, we've got a lot of homework to do on this young man, and I'm the first one to put my hand up and say, I, I can't even tell you what I think he is other than a really gifted kid until I'm done that. And, and again, it's part of the process. All right. Well, I look forward to being right alongside you for that process, Mike. We're going to spend a lot of time in Indianapolis together, so uh, enjoy what looks to be a beautiful day there in Mobile, and uh, I will see you down the line. You got it, man. Thanks. You bet. That's none other than Mike Mayock joining me here on the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Bud Light. He is the E.F. Hutton of the National Football League, Chris Law. When he said, when he speaks, people stop to listen about anything. I don't know if this is... You You are our master of our, of our download count. I don't see them often. Yes, um, but you see him every week, right? Our I number do. of our downloads. Yep. Yep. One, the show that we did with him previous when Mayock was on our program, I think it was in right right after was was it week sixteen, week seventeen? I think it was, or right at the outset, it was. Yeah, he was calling the Bengals yes. Texans game yeah, that yeah. week, right? Yep. That was one of our largest downloads that a, we had. You get a podcast bump a little bit with Mayock's Mayock on, correct? We do. There's yeah. no question. Absolutely. 
I, I like how you know he doesn't blow smoke. He basically said, <laughs> "I had I didn't watch I didn't watch RG three. I, well, I, I will, can't do proper." He justice. never. He's that's what is great about him. It's unvarnished. It's also you know when you're a host with him on live television, you know it's like wrestling snakes a little bit too because you never know when he's going to bite you. Yeah, yeah. Because he doesn't. You know he he is who he is, and he's not going to change for anybody, and he's not going to yeah. really sugarcoat it. If he doesn't know the answer, he will tell you, which is the beauty of it. Um, if he doesn't like the question, he will tell you. Doesn't help. Which is a little rough. It's a little too. rough when you're a host of a live program and he'll look directly at you. As he basically said, you know, hey, I don't like legacy questions. Yeah. What are you asking me that stuff for? He's like a player. <laughs> well, he was. You know, he is a former player. Where you basically like don't ask me until it's all over to assess somebody's place. You know, and uh, that's what I, that's what you gotta love about him. But I'll tell you this though, you can make book on this. Because I've I've done this enough to know there will be a point where RG three is going to be at the top of people's draft boards. Oh yeah! After all of this time, Andrew Luck this, Andrew Luck that. He is as pro ready as anybody else, and he can call his plays already, just like Peyton Manning. And he may wind up the first overall pick, and I think he will, and I think he should be. But there will be a time where hey, you know. Maybe RG3 fits better in what the Colts are trying to build there with the new general manager and the new head coach and the new way of doing things. That maybe RG3 is the guy who can be the next fill in the blank. And may and and that might be even floated by the Colts themselves in terms of negotiating. Trades. Now I know you really can't you really can't um do anything differently with contracts now because of the the new world order with the rookie scale even though they don't want to call it that but um just in terms of like hey maybe you won't get rg3 in the two slot you can get luck but i'm just saying that it's going to be out there at some point where hey it's not a definite that we're taking luck. yeah like Max, uh, that's I- coming that is going that is going to come in the next few weeks no doubt about it in my mind I thought what Fowler said last week was interesting about Luck, how um, all the criticism he got. He was the first-round pick last year if he came out. Right. And he played this entire year with that on his shoulders, and I can't name a wide receiver on Stanford. And But I you mean, also heard what, what Fowler said about RG3 and his abilities yeah, and, how, and how his strength is throwing the deep ball. Yeah. And if he can run like that and has a vertical game that goes along with it, Holy smokes! Yep. I mean, could you imagine that? And you just heard what Mayock said—that he's he's uh, he's a better thrower of the football than Cam Newton was at and, this point. And he interviews well because I I remember they had an upset on a Friday mm-hmm. night, and mm-hmm. he flew into College Game Day that Saturday, the next day. Right. And he, I mean, he interviews well. He's going to be impressive to GMs because he's like he, like Fowler said. He's I'm telling you, there's going to be a point. I, I can't predict when, maybe late March, when the pro day is done, right? Not a given. Not a given, everybody. It's not a given that Luck's in the first door. I'm telling you that's coming. You'll see it on Path to the Draft. You'll hear it on this podcast. You'll hear it. I'm telling you that's coming. I feel it in my I'm bones. I'm writing it down in my book right I'm now. feeling it in my bones. I said it the week before the Super Bowl. By week. Noted. The week of Senior Bowl. It's coming. And you even heard it with Mayock, where he didn't. He did say his answers like I, I haven't seen it. It is, a, but he did. It is a process. See, I got that right. I passed that part of the test. 
But, you know, he didn't even say out of the realm, nah, come on. I don't even need to look yeah. at tape to know that Luck's the guy. Yep. Which is not, you know, what Mayock would ever say, just based on what we've discussed about how he has a certain way of, of going through this evaluation process. But... How dialed in is he, too? He's like, I've, I've seen tape on his receiver and his running back, but I didn't watch him. Like, he's watching. That's it. I love him. When I, I called Mayock to appear on the podcast week 17, that's when it was. I remember he came on. You remember we were we were having an interesting time oh, the, booking the program. The booking, the last <laughs> right. Uh, right. So, so he, he comes on, and um, he was watching tape. He was grinding. He's a grinder, man. He was just He wants to make sure that he knows everything. He's got to be buttoned up. He's a pro. He's an absolute great professional. That's Mike Mayock, Alec Baldwin, and Mike Mayock together. Um, we're putting, we're piecing together next week's show right now. Yeah, we're efforting, but we're, we're, I, we're I think what we're hoping to get is a player from each team. Yep, giant and then, player. And then um, I think we could safely say Al Michaels is going to be on next week. But we're 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 as we're we're as we're saying efforting, and I know that the show's on midnight Thursday, midnight Eastern. I love that time slot. Next week, midnight yeah. Eastern. Yeah, oh, mid- nice. midnight Eastern of of, uh, of th- midnight, straight up Thursday night of the Super Bowl week, Perfect. and then there's a couple rears Friday morning, and then one late, late, late night Eastern on Friday night. Part of our Super Bowl week coverage of NFL Network. We're we're part of the mix. Excellent. Don't we're, forget one hour show this week. Yes, Special. that's right. Noon e- noon Eastern, and then there's uh, check your local listings for some Friday, and then there's even a Saturday rear, I believe, of this podcast. That is I correct. might be wrong. I don't know. Thank you, Chris Law. Absolutely. Thank you. Times this week. That's it. Wrapping up this second of two bi-week editions of the Rich Eisen Podcast. Stay listening.